G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is part of our Light and Love series and focuses on 1 John chapter 3. It's entitled Love One Another and looks at the implications of the marvellous love of God. We hope you enjoy the sermon. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that we did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope of him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God sees God's seed remains in them, then cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who doesn't <coughs> do not what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder his brother? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, We have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. 
because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that the lives we, we live in us. We, we know it by the spirit he gave us. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the movie Annie, a spunky young orphan is taken by a rich eccentric, much to the chagrin of the cantankerous woman who runs the orphanage. That's what the Internet Movie Database has to say about the musical Annie, one of my favorite movies. In one of my favorite scenes, Annie arrives at the mansion of her adopted father, Daddy Warbucks, who must be one of the richest people in the world. She's shown the swimming pool, the dining hall, her enormous room, and then she's asked, what would you like to do first? Annie's used to cleaning her orphanage, and so she says, first the windows, then the floors. And she goes to start cleaning up the place. Everyone chuckles as they explain that all is taken care of, and her adoptive father has lavished these things on her, and all she needs to do is enjoy them. Annie can't believe it. This over-the-top role reversal of fortunes is what John is trying to describe for us when he writes in 1 John 3, 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. John is trying to help us understand what God does when we repent, believe, and are baptized into his family. But God hasn't given us a mansion. He's giving us his love. And today, through 1 John 3, we're going to unpack what that means for us. So without trying to sound like a used car salesman, let's look at some of the benefits of being a child of God. Through Jesus, we have victory over sin, we are free to love others, and we have complete confidence before God. The first thing this passage makes clear for us is that Jesus' death cleanses us from sin. Look at verse 5. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. Here John reminds us that on the cross Jesus took the punishment we deserve for our rejection of God and for everything we do that goes against his guidance. John tells us sin is lawlessness and no one who lives in God keeps sinning. Now here we crash into a big conundrum in this passage but also in life. If Jesus has taken our sins away, why do we continue to sin? Why do we keep hearing about Christian leaders behaving badly? And why do we know so many Christians who lie, manipulate, and do things that are obviously wrong? Closer to home, why do I continue to sin if I've committed to follow Jesus? And does this mean that I'm not a Christian? Look at 1 John 3.8, which is a really confronting passage. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Does this mean I'm from the devil? Here I think we need some context. John is clearly not saying that Christians should expect to be perfect once we become Christians. In 1 John 1.8 he writes, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Is John contradicting himself here? I don't think so. You see, in 1 John 3, he's speaking to a particular problem in his community. As we saw last week, false teachers had crept into the community and were teaching that sin didn't matter. These teachers taught essentially that the world around us 
Exactly what our t- the world around us teaches today. Do whatever makes you feel good. There is no such thing as sin. There is no need to repent. Give up fighting against sin. Do what makes you happy. Here John says no. In Christ we have victory over sin. He reminds us that one day we will meet Jesus and we will be like him, sinless. His perfection will overwhelm our imperfection. But until that day, the love of God compels us to fight sin in our lives. In doing so, we're just joining God in the fight he has already begun in our hearts the minute we are converted. Jesus won the war on sin on the cross. His victory is our victory today, but there are skirmishes still to fight. Our job is to fight sin in our lives because our goal is to be like Jesus. This process is called sanctification. Salvation happens in a moment, but sanctification is a lifelong battle against sin in the life of a believer, knowing that Christ has already dealt the knockout blow, and knowing that the Holy Spirit is already helping us in this battle. The second thing we learn about love, the love God has lavished on us, is that it frees us up to love others. In verse 12, John uses a story from the beginning of the Bible to illustrate this point. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Cain was the first son of Adam and Eve, the first people, and he became the first murderer. Cain offered a sacrifice to the Lord one day, and so did his younger brother Abel. The Lord accepted Abel's sacrifice because it came from a place of honor and love for God, but not Cain. So Cain gets angry with his brother, and even though God personally warns him against letting sin reign in his life, he turns himself over to the evil one, Satan, and kills his brother. Here we see how serious fighting sin in our lives needs to be, and how liberating it becomes when we identify the sin in our lives and ask God's help to deal with it. All of a sudden, we're freed up to love others. The example of Cain is a negative example. But the Bible also gives us a positive example in verse 16 of 1 John 3. It says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Here we see that the love Jesus has lavished on us helps us to live differently as well, to actively love our neighbours. In our church community, this may mean different things for different people. It may mean volunteering with Colin and the RI team to teach school children about God's love. It may mean volunteering with Meals on Wheels. It may mean making time in your schedule to care for the person who needs you to listen to them and pray for them. It's following Jesus into a life of love lived for others. It's passing on the love God has lavished on us because we know that God has more in the bank. The final thing that God's love gives us is confidence. While there is a lie in our world that sin isn't a problem and repentance is worthless, self-condemnation is a problem at the same time. Many of us feel guilty for feeling guilty. And this is why mental health is a growing problem in Australia today. But joy of joys, in 1 John 3.19 we read, If our hearts condemn us, 
We know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Friend, if you have put your trust in Jesus and your life in God's hands, you have the most powerful weapon against self-condemnation in the world. John tells us that God is greater than our hearts and because God loves you, you are loved no matter what. So many of us go through life wondering if we will ever be good enough, rich enough, successful enough, or just enough. We wonder if our lives will ever mean anything, or if we'll ever have a legacy, or if anyone will show up to our funeral. In light of God's love, all these anxieties can melt away. Look at 1 John 3 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. God is doing a marvellous work in our lives. Last week at the Dolby Show, there was a display of stationary androids, lovingly fixed, greased and painted, some of them working better than when they were first put to use a hundred years ago. God's love is like that, but bigger and fuller, redeeming us from the inside out, transforming us into people who truly reflect his goodness and love, restoring us, to our true purpose, God's purpose. If we love God, we'll commit to living how he wants us to live. God's love spurs us onto victory over sin, love for others, and confidence before God. So let's go and live it out this week. I'd like to finish with a quote from the late Anglican theologian John Stott, who would have turned 100 years old last week. He writes, God's love must be wonderful beyond comprehension. God could quite justly have abandoned us to our fate. He could have left us alone to reap the fruit of our wrongdoing and to perish in our sins. It is what we deserved. But he did not. Because he loved us, he came after us in Christ. He pursued us even to the desolate anguish of the cross, where he bore our sin, guilt, judgment and death. It takes a hard and stony heart to remain unmoved by love like that. It is more than love. Its proper name is grace, which is love to the undeserving. Amen.